what leukemia is to they have it. I mean, because it's not just you. You have to have someone that's going to donate you the bone marrow also. And so it's two people involved instead of one. Cancer, they just go in, they cut it out, get well, and that's it. But the, the cancer I really have is with wrestlers. I have been a wrestling fan all of my life. I mean, I ate, slept. I, I, I could not get enough wrestling. Wrestling, the way it was in the 70s and 80s, is the way wrestling should be. I mean, and I just appreciate everything because without y'all, without the wrestling fans and stuff, we would be nothing. So God bless everyone and thanks. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Hello and welcome ladies and gentle peoples. This is your host Mr. Green and you are listening to the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast and this is going to be a review for WOW. Air date, September 30th, title, signed the dotted line. Now uh, since this is season 2 for them this will be episode 203 or if you're just doing a straight run this is episode 55. Um, but before we do that, I think it is important to point out the uh, recent passing of, um, well, we'll just go ahead and say it, of one of the legends in, in wrestling. I know she probably did not get identified that way very often, uh, but uh, the wrestling community, we lost Joyce Grable, uh, real name uh, Betty Wade Murphy, and she was from LaGrange, Georgia, born in 1952. Uh, and ju actually, just before this particular episode that I'm about to cover uh, aired on the 30th, she passed away on the 29th. So um, uh, we we definitely want to you know just take a moment and reflect on you know some of her career and and what have you. She's been kind of noted as a wrestling mom uh, for a lot of young ladies over the years. Um, trained quite a bit. Uh, she. I know that the Fabulous Moolah is not somebody that we really endorse and talk about, especially considering the things that have come out about her, you know, over the last couple of years, which, you know, we, I certainly do not endorse. But the past and what happened in the past cannot be changed. And Grable was uh, one of the trainees or one of the trainers at Moolah's camp in uh, Columbia. So... <clears throat> You know, you, you cannot gloss over, you know, the fact that she was an integral part within that um, within within that environment. Not saying that she participated in other stuff, but, you know, she was a, you know integral part in that situation. The listed cause of death 
for uh, Miss Grable, who was 70 at the time. Uh, unfortunately, is leukemia. Uh, cancer sucks ass, man. I mean, and, and normally I would bleep it out, but you know, no. It, it's. I'm pretty sure if you're like me, you know, you probably have had somebody in your family or a friend that, that you've lost to that, and you know, I'm I'm no different. I lost family members and friends to cancer, so yeah, it sucks ass, and it's it's a shame because she fought with it for a long time. That's that's another point, I guess. Before we, I don't want to go into the full of, of her career, except to say that you know she she existed in a time frame for women's wrestling that they really didn't have a great outlet for it. They they got to work. And they, you know, went around from territory to territory and, and things of that nature, and were really looked at as more of an attraction rather than, you know, what you see on television today, where they tr- slot them in main events and st- so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> but that aside, multiple time tag team champion, had her hand in training, you know, young ladies that that went into the wrestling business. I'm sure, you know, if I name two off the top of my head, I know Selena Majors was listed as one of the ones that she trained, which, of course, now associated with WOW. Uh, when she was not in WOW, she was uh, wrestling under the name Bambi. And maybe one of the, the biggest stars that she had some uh, interaction with or uh, trained or, you know, however you list to, however you choose to list it, uh, was Wendy Richter. Which, you know, of course, we saw her. Well, I'm not going to say we. Some of y'all probably too young didn't know about that. But at one point in time, Wendy Richter was was the most famous female wrestler in the world. I think that's a safe thing to say. She was immensely popular and was only like, a, if you're talking top baby faces in the WWF at the time, was probably maybe like number three or four, maybe. <laughs> And I'm including Hogan in that. Hogan, of course, being number one. And at that time, you might have had Superfly and Junkyard Dog, and then maybe her. You know, she she was she was up there. But that does not happen if you do not have a Joyce Grable to kind of steer that and guide that. And should, and, and I'm not saying in her WWF run, but in the time that she was wrestling. Now she got the chance to understand what she was doing and how to do it. She got a lot of credit. She, uh, Grable got a lot of credit. It probably wasn't as widespread as it should have been. But uh, she got a lot of credit from people within the industry, other ladies within the industry, for being the reasons that they were, were where they were. She was noted for having um, you know, really good cardio. And she was able to, you know, work these matches. Now, the name, of course, I just said her name, Betty Wade Murphy. Obviously, Joyce Grable was not her name. She got that name from a North, another Joyce Grable, which was given to her by the Fabulous Mover. Uh, the original Joyce Grable was a, a lady named Joyce Fowler, and uh, that name was handed off courtesy of the Fabulous Moolah to... Um, uh, uh, Betty, Betty Wade Murphy, who became Joyce Grable number two. <laughs> so you know the the gifting of names is is not a uh, a 
not a new thing. You know, it, it, it happens. It happened then. You know, it happens now. It probably wasn't as obvious at that point because back then, you know, again, you're dealing with territories rather than a nationwide television show. Uh, but she she was a, a, a really nice lady. Got a chance to meet her once. And that was at um, one of the benefit shows for her she she was having like i said this is a fight that she had been in for a lengthy period of time um and i know that there was i want to say at least three that i'm aware of the one that i participated in was in blue ridge georgia i want to say it was around 2012 i think 2012 2013 so somewhere in there and it, you know it was the grappling for grable uh show and and at the end of the show they had the grappling for grable battle royal which was basically a, a small royal rumble which was uh participated in and uh won by the great cheyenne who i think is you know she's a lovely woman but i think she's gone on to retire and just kind of uh, going to a life, even though she never really, <laughs> never really publicly said, "I'm done, I retire." Um, but it, it it was as probably as nice a sign to show the love and the care that some of those young ladies had for her, and understood the groundwork that women like her and her contemporaries laid out for it. and there was a few of her contemporaries there they you know they wanted to come in and they wanted to support her uh, uh, ah man I can't remember what princess Jesus <laughs> it just it, her name just dropped right out of my head and, and I know it's gonna it'll come up she was the tag team partner with Velvet McIntyre uh, but she she came down also um, Serena the wrestling Wonder Woman she she not only did she come down there but she put on the tights and boots to get back in the ring for her. So, you know, it was it was a nice show. It was a nice sentiment and, and a lot of people showed a lot of love for her. Even down to the point that um I mean, I guess quick story at the end of that night, because the great Cheyenne was a absolute heel. And she was good at it. She she was she was good at it. she was kind of a wrestling monster. If you, she, she didn't do anything supernatural, but she was just, you know, angry and mean and, you know, declared herself from being from hell and, and all that. I make the devil my bitch and stuff like that. Um, so, and she stayed in character most often. But after she won, she she broke. She, she, she And that wasn't something that she intended to do. It's just that Joyce Grable was there at ringside and she knew what it meant to her. Because, uh, you know, I talked to her with uh, Cheyenne quite often in those days. But, yeah, she knew what it meant to her. She knew what that show meant to her. And she knew what having the ladies work the main event meant to her. And once the match was done, you know, she gets up on the rope and, you know, for about 30 seconds, it, it, the, the disguise or the, or the mask of being mean and evil and hating everybody just dropped for a moment. And she's like, I love you, Joyce. Uh, and she was given the sentiment for a lot of people out there that night. 
she snapped back out of it. I mean, just, as soon as she said that, she turned around immediately, got back into her persona, like, "But I hate all of you," and you know, stormed out of the out of the ring. I mean, she almost like if you, I'll give that homework right now, and I'm not, and I'll give another one. But uh, look up the the grappling for Grable Battle Royal, which is on our channel. It is an old video. You gotta you gotta get down there for that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's like maybe one of the first two or three that I ever uploaded. Uh, and she, like like I said, um, it was a nice show for her. And if you look at it, you can see on in her face, it was all it, there was emotion that was coming out there. It was emotion because of the love and the the um, uh, concern. What. I guess concern for her well-being, her medical expenses, and that stuff like that, and that's what the show is for—just to raise money to help out with her her bills and help out with medical expense because it ain't easy. Even though you, even though she had a glamorous life, or you know, and sometimes not so glamorous, travel up and down the roads and training and and wrestling and whatnot, you know, and she made a, a nice name for herself, lovely woman. Joyce Grable had a you know a nice career in the ring. It's a shame. That she did not get the opportunity to wrestle on a pay per view or something of, of that effect. You know, it, it would have been nice if she got the chance to, you know, do some things like that. Um, and she talked about having to train twice a day, three hours each time. You know, you <laughs> quoted as saying, you know, you were very sore and tired. Um, and. You know that that, but that was what training was, and you had to be dedicated, and she was dedicated. Uh, she also talked, you know, as listed at SlamWrestling.net. One of the one of the uh, statements was is that you know the older girls led the matches; they told you what to do and how you did it, and that's how she learned and and became who she was. Um, she is a former NWA Women's Tag Team Champion. Her and Vicky Williams. I I don't know if they had a tag team name, um, but they they kind of shared a similar look in that they were you know young, kind of statuesque blondes working together. Uh, I think she um, uh, took on Donna Christianello a couple of times. You know she she had a a long career, and for at least with the wrestling community. She did make her mark. And I, I I hate that she, again, really didn't get the opportunity to be on a, like a pay-per-view or, or be featured extensively on something like WCW or the NWA or WWF at the time, later the WWE. <clears throat> it, it was... It was. It's a shame that that never happened, but you know, it's places like SlamWrestling.net, is podcasts like this, and others, you know, who I think we it is kind of an obligation to really kind of note that, put that out there where people can go back and and at least see it. And if I can find one here that you can go and 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 check out as as homework just to see just a, a classic match with her, I'm certainly going to do it. But um, yeah, she, the the biggest thing that she had that she dealt with for a long time 
was cancer. And it did, the leukemia did leave uh, at one point, I want to say somewhere maybe after, from what I remember, about 2014, I think it went into remission. But it popped back up um, uh, late 2021, and that's when it got bad, and then, you know, we got to this point. She was hospitalized in 2023, and uh, she went into hospice care, you know, I think in September, and that's, you know, what brings us up to date now. So um, I just wanted to take some time to put that out there and say, you know, Rest in peace, Joyce Grable, Betty Wade Murphy. Uh, and it was wonderful having to, you know, get the chance to come across you and, you know, be able to participate in the show in, in your honor. So that's that. So we're going to go into reviewing WoW now. You know, I don't want to bring the, bring the room down. So let's, let's talk about the show. And as far as WoW goes, it, it, this one started off a little bit different. You know, now they have an opening video segment that that they do, which is I think um, I believe I said it when they came back. I was like, it was nice that they just changed up something. I was happy that they did that. They they stuck with the opening and the graphics that they had for the better portion of the year. But now they got a, a different set of graphics and 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 video and whatnot. It's like okay, well now they they're amping it up and they should. Uh, but the first segment here was contract signing, and the first thing that I noted with that is like, how did Tormenta even get into this match? Now I know what they implied. You know the the implication being is that. Lana Starr and Sofia Lopez had a arrangement with each other, which is what we saw when they returned to TV and the uh, limo pulls up in front of the building and lo and behold is Lana Starr and oh my goodness, Sofia Lopez and Lana Starr got out of the same vehicle. So, uh, But they never expressly said that. They never said that, you know, neither the commentators nor Lana nor uh, Sophia, Sophia, wow, I can't even say her name. Sophia, neither one of them actually said, "Okay, look, you know, this is what we were doing. You know, we were signing contracts, we made arrangement, and so therefore, this is you know, Tormenta gets the next shot, you know, as a make good or you know, for whatever, for whatever it was. They didn't give a reason why Tormenta got a shot, other than we we are to assume that Lana Star worked it out, but the. Inside of that, I'm wondering, well, why would Lana want to give her a shot anyway? For what reason? What does she stand to gain from uh, giving this woman a a championship match? On the off chance that Tormenta won. You know, I was like, what what was the point in this? It would have made a little bit more – and I'm not saying that this was bad because for them, at least this followed suit. It did go in order. It was – we saw the two of them get out of the limo. We saw uh, them both here at the table, and, and we understand that, hey, this is supposed to be a match for Tormenta versus um, uh, Penelope Pink. So, you know, the implication is there. It could have been a little bit more clear, but, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so, 
All the participants come to ringside with the managers where it was appropriate. So in this case, Tormenta, Sofia Lopez, Penelope Pink, and uh, uh, Lana Starr, and then the third party being Princess Ozzy. And this is a nice segment. I mean, it, it didn't really have a strong build to it, but this was a nice segment. Sofia Lopez makes sense here, but this is where David McLean does not help her at all. How is she the world's greatest attorney when she's constantly shut down? So in this this scene, I might as well call it what it is, in this scene or in this segment, she comes up and she has a piece of paper because, like I said, she makes sense. Her complaint is, you know, in a nutshell, I didn't sign for a three-way. I signed Tormenta up for a one-on-one match for the championship against Penelope Paint. And she brought paperwork expressing that. Gives it to David McClain and he, and within five seconds, shuts it down. This means nothing. And gives it back. Didn't, didn't think twice about it. Didn't look it over. Didn't read it. Nothing. This means nothing. You don't have the authority to do this here. And, and it's done. It's like, <laughs> how great of an attorney is she? Like, well, you didn't, you didn't even care <laughs> that she had paperwork. You don't know if it said, I'm suing you or not. And, and, and that was it. It's like, if you're going to chop the legs out of your manager like that, then why bother? Why bother getting on camera and and beating people over the head with the fact that she's the world's greatest attorney? Clearly she's not. Because <laughs> you had no concern about that whatsoever. Dave McLean did not give a crap about Sofia Lopez or her paper injunction uh, summons or otherwise. Didn't care and just moved on. So that's what I'm like, how is this <laughs> making her look good? It didn't even worry him. It wasn't like he went back and said, okay, look, I'm going to take a look at this. But as far as I know, this match is going to take place. I, I will take a look at the paperwork, but the match has to happen. You know, it, it didn't, even, didn't even go that route. So when she gets shut down, then Lana starts basically starts complaining so that she this isn't a match that she agreed to she shouldn't have to wrestle her but you know what i'm gonna do it anyway and i was like okay so why did you even bother saying that you didn't agree, <laughs> agree to this if you were just gonna turn around and be like all right well you know what i'll do it anyway and and sign off on the paper everybody signs to agree to this three-way which is, is a contract signer for what's taking place later on in the show. Again, Sofia Lopez has the, the paperwork to state that, well, this shouldn't be one, but it meant nothing. And she basically had to sign into a three-way anyway for her client. Didn't mean a thing. Did not mean a thing. This The segment was nice, but when you look at the other portions of it, this was all designed to forward uh, Princess Ozzy in her quest of being the champion. Now, this is probably the closest I've seen to any wild wrestler having a goal of becoming a champion. A lot of them have said it, but once they lose, whether they were cheated out of it or not, they they pretty much just stop. 
and they move on. They go to something else. Princess Ozzy actually stuck with it, and I'm, I must say I am somewhat not just surprised, I'm pleased. I also thought that the graphic kind of foreshadowed what was happening there, <laughs> and maybe that's me. You can go back and you can look at it for yourselves, and you can see, you know, whether I am being, you know, uh, paranoid isn't the right word, but whether I'm looking too much into it. Because the first graphic had Penelope Pink front and center with the championship, her challenges to her side, as it should have been. She should have been the focus of that, heel or not. The following graphics throughout the show tell a different story in my eyes because then that graphic changed to Princess Ozzy being the front, you know, front and center. Now, granted, I understand that she is the babyface in a match between two heels. So there is some logic behind it, but still, the champion should be the focal point, not the, the babyface. And it's not like she's some overwhelmingly popular babyface like, say, in WWE, you got L.A. Knight. He's almost at a point now where, I mean, he's going to win a championship. Let's let's not you know, fool ourselves with that. But he's become such a big player there that is almost, almost unnecessary. He needs one because I, the fans would be disappointed if he doesn't get it. But uh, he is such a big deal that if you stuck his face over top of anybody else that he was dealing with, you'd accept it. Here, no one has that. That was the point I was getting at. They can portray Penelope, not Penelope Pink, Princess Oz. They can portray her as this, you know, massive baby face. But, you know, she's not really that much over than anybody else there. So if you're not dealing with that, then you have to deal with who is the champion. The champion is Penelope Pink. She should be the focal point, whether she was going to win, lose, baby face, or heel. So that was that. The next segment was the first match of the night. It was the returning beast taking on, I guess, the, what we would consider the resident monster of WoW, Chainsaw. The commentators made it uh, the statement that fans have been waiting for this one. I am not sure how considering that the Beast has been gone for like nine months, and I don't know if that's ever been some sort of big dream match that take place, but, you know, hey, I, I cannot say that it hasn't been either. I, I, I just don't understand it myself. But, you know, to each their own. And credit where it's due, Wild gave this a big match feel, or at least he tried to. One thing I will say that uh, I, it didn't hurt it, but uh, – it probably shouldn't have happened. It was the ring announcer saying with her little sister, Angelica Dante, I was like, that's stupid. You don't have to announce her as her little sister. Just with her sister, that is fine. Or if you want to do one better and be a real ring announcer, just say with her manager, Angelica Dante. The fact that they're related is not, or, or in their wow universe the fact that they're related means nothing it is her manager it's her valet it's her handler however you know whatever title that she has but saying that oh yeah with her little sister that just downplays angelica dante 
both of them have to be elevated and they have to be looked at as important. If you if you attach some sort of diminutive name to the person that is supposed to be a star, then it does not help them. They have to try to overcome being looked at as the little sister and what have you. And since she was presented, you know, before this time, like she was some sort of mastermind behind Chainsaw, even though I didn't like that story either. <laughs> even so, since she was presented as that, then you stick with that. Don't just turn her off into the little sister now because the little sister now means that you cannot control her, which beforehand, she was controlling her fine. She was, she was the brains of the outfit. And if she were capable of cutting promos that could get Chainsaw over, she would be that much better. I'm sure she can't because they have to write it for her and she has to perform it. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. So without going into the entirety of this, it, it, this is, for all intents and purposes, a squash match. I, I wish I could say it was highly competitive or you know something along those lines, but what I just said is true. For all intents and purposes, this is just a squash. It was something for the beast to do and beat up and, and get a win and move on. And that is exactly what happened. They had a couple of moments in there where where it's, oh, my gosh, who's going to win? You know, just the whole hoss fight scenario. But at the end of that, the, the beast spears her and one, two, three, she's done. And it wasn't like it took a lot of effort other than the few times that Chainsaw kind of fought back. But overall, it was just a massive squash. She got hit, she being Chainsaw, got hit with a finishing move, and then she was done. It was clean. It was one, two, three. So my note that I put down following that was Chainsaw's now ordinary, and she has no she's no competition in that environment. I'm sure she will continue to be used, but it's going to be hard to resell her as some sort of unstoppable monster when, you know, the beast... Not just stopped her, she stopped her cold. And, you know, there, there was always a little bit of an excuse for Chainsaw in previous matches. You could argue the point that uh, Candy Crush got by and won, but she did it by the skin of her teeth. You can argue that. You could argue that, you know, it took three people to beat Chainsaw when Tiki Chamorro did it. She's listed as the one that pinned her, but the referee allowed Chainsaw, I mean not Chainsaw, allowed Tiki, Chaos, and Kona all to pin her. So, you know, that there, there was some level of of um protection, I guess, as related to Chainsaw. Even when they went on that little bit of a streak where um, where she was wrestling people but not caring what she did. Not caring that she lost. She would hold him up by the throat and the referee would just disqualify her. And she did that for a couple of weeks in a row. I was like, okay, that's that's good. It gets the point, the, the, the idea that she's not concerned about wins and losses. That's what it is. You know, that whole thing, I, I thought it was great. It's like she's, she doesn't care. But I don't know if we're going to continue with that because, you know, it was 
what, the following match where she was told by her little manager, her little buddy, her little sister <laughs> to, to win. And so she did. But not in this case. She lost. She lost by the, to the beast, and she lost with a spear, and that's that. We're done. <laughs> so there's really no um, no reason to come back to this. Following the match, the beast cuts the promo on her attacker, like I'm getting this close, about to figure it out, and all that good stuff. Uh, not the best promo. She she speaks in in beast mode. Like she has to put on the growl and she has to, I'm the biggest and I'm the baddest. And, you know, she, she's got to do that. And that's fine. I at least respect the effort. That That's one thing you, I'm not going to take away from her or anybody else in there, even if they are over the top at times. It's, I respect the effort. Because Americana, I, I, she's become the bar that I judge this by on the opposite end. Americana is no good at promos at all. And it doesn't look like she either puts in a lot of effort, doesn't know how to do it, doesn't have the charisma for it, or all of the above. So I I really didn't have a problem with that. I mean, again, within their universe, it works. The next segment, G.I. Jane taking on Tiki Chamorro. Tiki's got a little bit of a new, well, no, not just Tiki, both of them. Jane and Tiki, they got some new modifications on the outfit. I like it. Uh, again, because it, it feels like a kind of a fresh start. It feels like they, okay, we, we need to ramp this up a little bit. And uh, visually it helps. I, I think it's a nice, nice little thing. So you got Chamorro and you got G.I. Jane. And G.I. Jane is, I, I guess, back into the the care of of uh samantha smart she she had come out a couple of times without her but she has returned and they're back in the uh back as a unit even though samantha smart is probably the most losingest manager that wow has outside of mesmera and i'm not even sure she's there anymore so we move on from that uh one of the other things that the commentators, I think Stephen Dickey, and I understood what he was trying to say here. He's like, oh, yeah, G.I.J. has the gift of gab. I'm like, well, since when? She barely speaks. She's probably talked on camera for that show once. So I, so the term gift of gab may not be the correct thing to say in this particular instance. I know what he was trying to get at because he did come around to it at some point where, you know, the gift of gab being that she's a drill sergeant and she knows how to dress down verbally uh, the people that she was underneath her. Now, I don't know what truth there is to G.I. Jane and the military. I never quite felt the urge or the desire or the need, quite honestly, to look that up. <laughs> so if anybody out there knows that she, you know, oh, yeah, she was actually in the military, you know, leave it in the comments below. Uh, one of the things I know is one of the guys I work with said, oh, yeah, no, I work out with her at the gym. So there's another person that comes out of Georgia and then flies out to L.A. <laughs> because, just because. Um, while also trying out new camera angles and shots, I, I thought that that was nice of them to, to not experiment with, but get a chance to put things like that in the show. Very good. <clears throat> the... Uh, the match was essentially leading you to go into what we all know to be true. 
Jane is a bigger, stronger competitor than Tiki Chamorro. Tiki has been the resident underdog for wow. I I want to say before that it would have been Steffi Slays, but Tiki's win loss record is better than Steffi Slays, so we'll we'll say that she has struggled and got the win here and there where she where she can and where she should. Um, she. I want to say she, they, <laughs> they had a reasonable match. I, I've really got no big complaint there. And one of the things I said, that just kind of alongside Chainsaw, I mentioned this before with her. Chainsaw not being a polished wrestler works in her favor, given the persona that she has on screen. So she doesn't have to be some sort of technical master. It is the one or one of the few times in this company I was like, yeah, you know, her not being polished is is no big issue here. G.I. Jane is a, a little bit like that for me. Where she's not overly polished. She, she looks like she can be stiff sometimes. But at the same time, because it's G.I. Jane and she is assumably we'll, we'll say in in wow's universe she's like fresh out of boot camp so it so it doesn't really hurt that she's not some technical marvel it might hurt the match <laughs> but it didn't hurt her as a persona um i don't know why stephen dickey was noting another sport as being the toughest on the planet while he's actively calling a wrestling match. Now, what sport he's talking about, you may be asking. Uh, he was saying that Tiki Chamorro had played, uh, I want to say rugby. And he was like, oh, yeah, and for my money, that's the toughest sport on the planet. That would be one of those things that like, okay, look, I'd have to pull him to the side. I appreciate that you're putting her over because I know that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get over the toughness of Tiki Chamorro. But at the same time, we can't go and make what we do secondary to everybody else. So rephrase it. Tiki Chamorro took place in one of the top you know, sports on the planet. Then not have to be, you know, that it is the top sport. You know, things like that. that it's, it's a lot of the little things. A lot of the little things matter. G.I. Jane, at one point in this match, did what I would consider a really nicely executed back suplex. Uh, but getting towards the finish after she did this back suplex. And I... I was really kind of hesitant about this match because I, I looked at it as like, okay, this is a match with the blind leading the blind because I'm sure neither one of them were any place else in a wrestling beyond wow. G.I. <clears throat> Jane sets Chamorro up on the top rope, turns around and, and starts hollering at people for some reason. Then she charges in. Chamorro floats over the top, <clears throat> gets into position with Jane being hoisted up on, on the shoulders, but Chamorro was able to remaneuver her body and turn it into a uh, a roll-up. And when she gets on the shows, it's almost like she 
I say tomorrow, she's almost like she got into like a crucifix position. If you've seen that before, where they, uh, you're not necessarily over top like Cena carrying you on, a, on an attitude adjustment. It's close. But it, and it was very brief. She she comes in tomorrow, charges back. She gets like she's going for a head scissors, but Jane somewhat stalls that. Tomorrow readjusts, goes down to a roll up. One, two, three. We got the win. So the underdog wins the match. I really didn't have a problem with the match at all. I thought that you know for for a cold match because that's what it is. It was just a match to kind of fill the airtime. But for a cold match, I like hey. I really have no problems here. It, it the right outcome. Uh, it was performed well. Uh, Samantha Smart still doing well. She she still got a ways to grow, but she is still coming up as being a, a, a reasonable manager. She should yell and she should argue more often with the referees, or, you know, and yell at the fans. But outside of that, no problems at all. The next segment is advertisement for the rematch of the tag titles, you know, in an upcoming match that'll be, you know, the following week. The next segment, I just, I thought this was so ridiculous. So, this is a segment with the mother truckers. Not only was this segment ridiculous, but they are ridiculous. And... Let me be clear before I go further in what I'm about to say. I am not saying that Amazing Maria or Hollywood J are ridiculous. But what I am saying is that Big Rig Betty and Holly Swag are. They are two caricatures. And the first thing that starts off here is that there's got to be some stupid thing that is supposed to represent the South. So the camera comes in, is into the locker room, and what do we see? We see these two. I, I, they're not yelling at each other, but they're having a heated discussion. We'll, we'll call it that way. In the background, there's the American flag hanging over top of the lockers because, you know what, they're, they're from the South, you see, because they they, they have to – we love America, America. And not only that, they have a clothesline that's hanging in the locker room across the lockers to dry their clothes. Because again, you see, they're from the South. So they have to do stupid stuff like that because we don't believe in washers and dryers. And of course, that building doesn't have anything to take care of situations like that, nor does the hotel that they should be staying at. But, you know, they probably not staying in the hotel because, again, they're two redneck hillbillies from the South. And that's where the humor comes in, you understand. It's, it's, it's almost like when you have the trumpet playing and you have somebody fat walk across the screen. It's just easy, it's easy humor. You, you get it? Ha, ha, ha. So they are carrying on about their situation. The first thing is, it's like, how did they even get out of jail in the first place? They were taken away to jail. And if it was that easy for them to get out at the drop of a dime, then what did they call Sofia Lopez for in the first place? And having Holly up there like, I'm not going back to jail. It's like, seriously, is it that easy for you not to go <laughs> just because you said that you weren't going to do it? I was like, I didn't know that jail worked that way. 
Now, of course, you know, the people, we say things like, no, I ain't doing that. And so I'm not saying that she has that kind of control over it. I understand how life works. But it's just, it's just so ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. And what the hell is this clothesline here there for? Other than to illustrate the fact that these are two morons that don't know how to use a washer and a dryer. Or that they belong in some trailer park because they don't have a washer and dryer, whatever you want to call it. This is dumb. It's a waste of airtime. And every week that the mother truckers exist on this show, they just devolve into a bigger caricature of somebody that's supposed to be from Redneck City, USA. So we go to the next, and I'm not even going to continue over that. We go to the next thing. It's Exile. The Exile segment implies that Ice Cold had been ignoring the team. This is another one of those things that they are doing that the audience doesn't see. At what point did Ice Cold ignore their their calls or what? You know, the, these these are things that we didn't see. That we didn't even see her behaving differently or or indifferent to her teammates, which they are now. So let's just call them for what they are. She might as well just be part of Exile. I don't know why they're they're not including her in that, but they just they're like, nope. So Exodus and Genesis imply that she, well, you've been ignoring us. But like I said, the audience wouldn't know that because we haven't seen it. At the end of this is basically Ice Cold saying, all right, um, everything's fine on my end. Everything's good with you. And they're like, yeah, it's good. And then one of them, like, shoulder checks are walking out. I have no idea where that's going. I have no idea where that's going considering the match that happened next. And and now that I'm talking about this, this is like a series of things that just annoyed me. So, the next match, match number three of the night. Exile, along with Ice Cold in their corner, are taking on Americana and her partner, Jesse Jones. I know somebody out there is like, well, what's wrong with that? Here's what I have a problem with. A couple of months back, Americana got on a microphone and said she had to get even with the heavy metal sisters because they ruined her son's tablet and they injured her partner to where she can never wrestle again. This is not me saying that. Those are her words. She is not going to be able to wrestle again. That's pretty final. And my problem there is that, okay, no one in the back thought about that. No one in the back thought to, okay, maybe we should leave some some wiggle room here. Nobody that was putting this together thought in their wildest dreams that, you know, she might come back. And if she does, then, you know, we don't want to back ourselves into a corner and try to ignore certain things. And that's exactly what they did. They ignored it. Didn't address it. Didn't talk about it. Didn't say, hey, she's back from an injury. She actually got through nothing. It just, hey, here's Jesse Jones. It was like she never left. From this injury angle that they tried to play up like this major event. 
which they did a poor job of that, by the way. They did not do anything with Americana or this angle good or right. They didn't, they didn't uh, blow off the angle or they didn't finish the angle with the heavy metal scissors well. Because if a moonsault is all it takes for you to feel like you've got justification for them damaging your son's tablet, then I'll say you need to really, or not just damaging, breaking it, as they said. If you getting a moonsault and a pin on somebody was all you needed to feel like you were vindicated in that for your child, for your child, then you probably need to reassess what, is it, what you need to be doing and what you don't. This is just ridiculously bad. And like I said, never once mentioned it. Not once. Now, if they mention it later on, I'm going to say it's too little too late. Why would you bring it up two and three weeks later? And they're known for doing things like that. But, yeah, it's like, they. why would you bring it up later? This is the time to address that when she shows back up on TV. And then they're going right off into a brand new angle without addressing anything. Americana has no angle that, that has finished off properly. It, it, it barely finished it at all. Commander Spars, they just started that right in the middle of it and ended it that day. She turned on us. We won it. We got a match. We're done. The, the, the thing with her son at ringside distracting her didn't go anywhere. The Heavy Metal Sisters, damn it, allegedly, breaking Jesse Jones' leg, ruining her career, which now clearly they didn't, and breaking her son's tablet, nothing. None of those things went anywhere, not one of them. So now we have this match with Exile with Ice Cold in the corner, Americana and Jesse Jones. I still don't understand why she's in like paisley colors and and neon green and pink when she's listed as Americana. Because anytime I've ever asked anybody like who in that ring looks like they should have the name Americana, they without fail point at Jesse Jones because she's got red, white, and blue on and American Eagle and all that stuff. Without fail, they'll point at her. So I have no idea what they were thinking when they came up with her outfit. But anyway, we'll just move on. Um, so Exile did a nice tandem move in, in this match. I, I, I really enjoyed them. And I think that they, as a team, are better than they're probably giving credit for. They, they should at least have a run at challenging for the championships. Not necessarily win it, but they should have a run challenging for it. They've been there long enough. They shouldn't have some new team just pop up and be like, oh, yeah, we got a title shot, which which I have almost little to no doubt that that is what WoW is going to do. I I just, I don't have a doubt in the world that they're just going to have some random team like, oh, yeah, this, this is tag team title time. And Exile just exists in their, in their limbo and not go anywhere and not do anything. So... Tandem move aside, Jesse Jones still comes. I mean, she is still the veteran of this this team. She and veteran with her, I mean, she has far more matches underneath her than probably anybody in that ring. 
I, I'm sure that, you know, that Wild would like to lead you to believe differently. But no, not, nobody in that ring is on par to Jesse Jones at this point. So they come, I, I'm, I need to go backwards here. They come out, Jesse Jones and Americana, like the best of friends. And I think that that's probably part of their setup. Exile looks great. Exile looks great. They don't necessarily come out being heels all the time, which that would be my standing edict to them. Don't be pointing and jeering with you know cheering with the fans. Just do what you do. Walk out there. You know now some of them do well, but don't be kind of getting in the face of the kids because if you can't scare them, it's not helping you. Just just walk to the ring. Mean mug it, yell at the parents, and and, and keep going. So let's get to the end of the match. Americana in trouble. She tags out because, you know, it has to be that way because Americana's probably not as good being able to do these things as Jesse Jones is. She makes the tag. Jesse Jones comes in and does, you know, the babyface cleanup stuff. Nothing uh, wrong there, but what happens is Jesse Jones does a eat defeat. And at some point in the match, when she has, I, I want to say, I think this is Exodus. She has her pinned and ready to, you know, go for her pinfall. But she's also putting her feet on the ropes. And just before she even gets on there good, Americana comes in and pushes her feet off. This is her first match back, and they already got problems, right? So she comes in, pushes her feet off, and, and Jesse Jones is like, what are you doing? And Americana's like, well, you don't have to cheat. And, you know, that this, that's what they're implying. Exile tries to get a double team move in on Jesse Jones. She does a split and is able to evade the spin heel kick that one of them gives. But that does not stop her from getting beaten. She charges in. She stops whatever it is that the other member of Exile was going to do. Ice Cold does her job and sweeps out the leg. And now it is them who get to put their feet on the rope and Jesse Jones gets pinned. And where was her partner through this? When she jumped in immediately to stop her, nowhere to be found. <laughs> so, so she she saw immediately when her partner was about to get her feet on the ropes, but could not move fast enough to stop her opponent. So Exile gets the win with a pinfall over the returning Jesse Jones, who, for whatever reason, was not explained as to how she had this miraculous comeback. So... There we have it. They have kicked off some new uh, new angle, I guess. And one of the things that really got, got annoying here, the commentators are just carrying on and on and on about Levi. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Jones took her up there and taught him how to fish and do this and da-da-da and little Levi and blah-blah-blah. Man, just why do we care about that? Just move on. <laughs> we don't care about her kid. I'm sorry. I don't. I do not care about her child. She didn't, she, it, it was enough that they tried to incorporate him into an angle that just went nowhere. But now you're just talking about him just for the sake of talking about him. For what? 
just uh. so anyway uh this seems to be that they're trying to imply or create problems between the two for them to go on but th- this is this is very poor i said it before i'll repeat it americana's creative is very poor either she is not good at performing these things they write terrible stuff for her or both and they should just be done with that americana needs to be doing something else other than wow i'm sorry to say that but she should i know her wow fans like oh americana's the greatest you can look at any one of them little you know comments that underneath the matches where they're constantly kissing their butt but yeah that they just they need to do something else with that so next segment is showing Sofia Lopez running into, conveniently, Lana Starr in front of her dressing room, which she just happens to be walking by. Her being Sofia Lopez. Okay, and you know this because they have, you know, uh, the world's greatest attorney, Sofia Lopez, on the door that she's walking up to, but she's not going in. I have no idea where Sofia Lopez is going. She's just storming by. And Lana Star Star just happens to be storming by in the opposite direction. So they have their little confrontation. Uh, At least the confrontation makes sense. Sofia Lopez makes absolute sense here. She's like, she's mad, and she's mad because this isn't what she agreed to. And they're making her get into into this match with her client in a three-way when that wasn't supposed to be the deal. A lot of stars like, you know, well, what difference does it make? Because you're going to lose anyway. <laughs> and more or less just blows it off. And, you know, Lopez is mad and she cuts a, basically a little promo on her and walks off. This then translates or transitions over to uh, Princess Ozzy cutting a promo in the main event and winning the title. So they, they have stuck to this journey of Princess Ozzy trying to um, – trying to win the championship and succeed in her dream. This would be a lot nicer if there was a longer, more pronounced journey for Ozzy. Like, it's hard to get behind her and say that she she's been chasing this championship for such a long time, she's finally getting out of because it, it didn't come off that way. She had a match against Penelope Pink. She had the one match. I, that doesn't feel like somebody that's jumping hurdles or, or chasing this thing. She she got a match against uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy and got through that. She won the match against well won a match against a tag match against Penelope Pink. Then the match against Vicky Lynn McCoy. Then she loses to Penelope Pink and now she's right back in the ring with her. And I'm not mad that she's right back in the ring with her. It just it. It just doesn't feel like there's a reason to support this. Like there's no stakes here. She was just gifted the match. It wasn't like, you know, if you want this match, you have to do X, Y, Z or, you know, to try to earn your spot back again or, you know, because that was the whole thing. She's supposed to be bumped to the back of the line, but nope. 
All she had to do was just ask David McClain and grant it. Yeah, okay, fine. You got another match. Now, of course, as a baby face, she should get that match. It just came together kind of weird because now she's involved in a triple threat with somebody that up until this point we haven't really seen interact with the championship except for the other time that she was in a triple threat and she lost when she broke the bee's ankle by coming off of the top rope where they never really acknowledged that because they have to do it in storyline. They have to have somebody else. So she heals her ankles so she gets hit again. And this is dumb. Ugh. I mean, because if that was easy, then somebody should just attack her now. I was like, all right, just hit her ankle again and make her go away. Be be finished with her. But, you know, that that would apply too much logic. So, anyhow, they uh, go to the next segment, which is an advertisement for a tag match. This is the Tongas versus Sweet Heat. Uh, I realize that Sweet Heat has to have a, a return match, or at least they should get a return match. But, you know, following this, whatever match comes up, I am ready to move on from this. I don't, I don't mind the matches, but I don't want the Tonga Twins and Miami Sweet Heat to be locked into this eternal conflict over the tag team championship. Somebody else needs to be moving into the spot. And that somebody else should be probably exile. They need to get a chance at a championship. They don't necessarily have to win it, but they should get a shot to go after them. Uh, so we go to the main event. Main event. Tormenta, Mustafa Lopez, Princess Ozzy, and Penelope Pink with Lana Star. Wow makes a big deal about this. Tormenta is brought to the ringside by the Mariachi Divas. And, of course, because he, there's some pomp and circumstance to the entrance, David McClain wants to make note of the pomp and circumstance. Sophia Lopez wanted to make a grand entrance for Tormenta. And she flew in the mariachi divas from Mexico to perform at this show. Now, one of the main reasons that you have uh, outside entities, groups, individuals, stars, other wrestlers, actors, whatever, that you know come onto your show is one of two reasons. One. You're trying to get the rub from them if they have a big name. Like if you had a, a, a let's say, a, a Instagram you know, influencer who had 4 million followers and they showed up on Wild Day, you're trying to convert some of those followers to watching your program. That's the point of that. The other side of that is you are doing it for show, but you're also doing it to, you know, for that, person to get a little bit off of you so i'm sure the mariachi divas had their fan base and you know it, maybe they were able to convert some of their fan base to watching this even though they didn't advertise that the mariachi divas were going to be there so i doubt it <clears throat> but when they show up and he's saying oh yeah and he flew him in from mexico like i said the point being there is that you're, you're advertising for this group that came on there for all intents and purposes that's the reason they're there it, it is a short advertisement for for their band and given that it's a short advertisement for their band anybody that looks that thing up is going to immediately see that they're not from mexico it says right there as soon as you hit it it's like one of the first two lines based out of la 
So I, it was it was a far easier thing to do to flub a line or fabricate something on TV when Dave McClain first began this because you didn't have something in your pocket that you can whip out at a moment's notice and look it up. If you said that it was from Mexico in the 80s, I'd have just believed it because I'm not going to go through the time and effort to try to fact check that at that point. Today, fact checking is not difficult. It is easy as picking up your phone and say, hey, Google, what is this? Or, you know, who, whatever it is that you use. It is that easy. So if you're going to say things like that, at least make it close to reality. And they don't. Or more specifically, David McLean does not. Uh, this needed a stronger build. I stand by that. I don't. The match was good, but it needed a stronger build. Uh, both Lopez and Lana Starr both go to the commentating booth. I did not understand this at all. Why is it that they insist on not being at ringside for these things? Lana Starr in particular, she just lost the tag team championships on the day that, that, that the commentators like, well, Lana Starr has so much faith in Miami Sweet Heat that she said that they'll be able to handle it on their own. Clearly, they couldn't. So knowing that, why would you then come out to ringside and not even stay at ringside for your uh, not well for your champions? I was gonna say not not your champion, but she was still champion at the time. Like you should be there to make sure that they the title stays within within the house of of star or whatever you want to call it, fabulous for however. So, here's what makes this match work. You have three workers. And that's what makes the difference here. Tormenta, Penelope Pink, and Princess Ozzy all have a, a resume of wrestling that exists beyond WOW. Now, Ozzy probably does not do many shows outside of WOW these days. I would be really surprised if she did. But that does not change the fact that she was trained outside of it and that she was on the independence for some time. Uh, WoW is, is still in the course of this match trying to justify episode 25. Episode 25 is still ranking as the worst episode of WoW that they ever did. Because of all the false promises that they put out there and false advertising for things that they couldn't deliver. They still, well, they, they changed the narrative up now. Before it was it was a wild card rule and she was able to join, she being Penelope Pink. Now they're saying, oh, well, Princess Ozzy won the match, but she got sick, so that allowed Penelope Pink to enter. Pick a story and stick with it, dude. Stop changing it because, again, it, 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 eventually it's going to come to a point where you cannot keep BSing your fans like that and they accept it. And that's another thing. I wish some of those wild fans would hold them accountable, but I know they won't because their core audience just 
parrots everything that they want them to say. Wow is great. Wow is wonderful. Wow doesn't do anything wrong. It is pretty much like the AEW fan base. AEW is great. AEW is wonderful. AEW doesn't do anything wrong. And if you say anything to them about AEW doing anything wrong, they ain't trying to hear it. I mean, everybody does something wrong. Everybody, all of us, all of us. I include me in that. All of us do some things that are wrong. I mean, that that's just the way that creative works. But that does not mean that you have to just keep on just saying things that you know didn't happen because your audience is stupid and we and they'll believe anything that I tell them, which is what you might as well just say. That audience does not have a long memory. They don't care. And as long as I tell them what to believe and what to think, that is what they'll do. So anyhow, despite trying to justify the the loss, I mean, not the loss, the, the episode of 25 of Penelope Pink winning the championship, <clears throat> this match was, again, it was fine. And how this happened, being that it's a triple threat, Tormenta had to take the loss. Not surprising because this is exactly what happened the last time she was in a triple threat match for the championship. Who took the loss? Tormenta. Why? Just because. (laughs) Because we can't pin Penelope Pink. So there's a point in the match where Penelope Pink is, I don't want to say deposited outside, but she gets out to the floor. Ozzy popped her with a cutter that Tormenta cut off. And that, of course, you know, leads an opening for Tormenta. She tosses Penelope Pink out to the out to the floor. This is the point where Tormenta kind of took control. And she lays uh, uh, Penelope Pink out. She does the old, I don't know if there's a name for it, but she grabs her by the heels, by the it's like a giant swing into the, the barricade. It wasn't really a, uh, a giant swing in proper like she went around three or four times or in the case of Cesaro, 20 or 40 or 50. <clears throat> but Pink got up on the apron, tried to come down on Tormenta. Tormenta catches her and as she catches her, holding her up by her thighs, she slings her into the barricade. Now Pink is a limp noodle. She's down on the floor can't get back up. Tormenta gets back in the ring. Princess Ozzy's waiting on her. She kiss, gets her with a kick. But one of those kicks is errant because Tormenta ducks it. And she looks like she is seconds away from winning the championship. That's what it looks like. Now, I already told you that didn't happen, <laughs> but that's what it looked like. Tormenta gets Princess Ozzy up after joining with the fans. She gets her up into uh, electric chair position on her shoulders. Don't know what she was going to do with that because before she was able to do it, Ozzy punches her in the head a couple of times, turns her body, rolls through, and she gets the three count. Princess Ozzy wins the WOW Championship. I don't refer to it as a world's championship the way that they do, not not until they do some other things and wrestle some other places or have some people come in. It's, it's, it's a company championship. I do I do believe that. 
But as she wins, and the audience is cheering, Lana Starr grabs the title belt, which is off of the table, and runs off with it, telling Penelope Pete, come on. So she is now the champion, despite the fact that she does not have the title to uh, celebrate that. This episode, oh, well, sorry. Uh, Dave McClain gets in following us and he does the interview because, you know, he's the lead announcer also. Lead interviewer also. And the general manager. And the matchmaker. So anyhow. Uh, he gets in, they go through the whole deal. Oh, you won the match, you finally did it, yada, 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 yada. You don't have the belt, but you are the world's champion. Yay! And that's that. I mean, I wish I could say more about it, but that's pretty much that. This episode is like the living idea of a compliment sandwich. You say something good, it's got a little crap in between, but you finish off with something good. That is what this was. It opened up well, even though I didn't agree with Dave McClain shutting down Sofia Lopez. It opened up well with the signing and then going into the the match with the beast now i i know i got on it for how the creative was for chainsaw but i didn't have a problem with with that if they wanted the beast to be the one and and pretty much put chainsaw down for good then hey more power to them let them have it those are the good things then they got into and, and gi jane and tiki tomorrow good then they got into the crap the cartoon characters in the locker room crap the segment of exile that we didn't see or this this talk of them being ignored which didn't play into anything following that crap jesse jones reappearing without rhyme reason or explanation crap and then it comes back out to the good sofia lopez being pissed at lana star and then the match itself those things were fine. The things in the middle, not so much. And that's that. That was the entirety of the episode. That was how it played out from start to finish. Uh, it's a C. It's, it's an average show. I wanted it to be better than that. I wanted it to be bigger than that. And I know they can't do it all the time. But this is a C show. It's, it's average at best. It does it doesn't give uh, it doesn't give a lot of emotional connection to the things that you should be emotionally connected to. I should have been emotionally connected to seeing Princess Ozzy win. The heat should have been the desire for me to see her get her hand raised. I don't think they did a good job of it. I don't think they did a good job of getting her in that position. It doesn't mean the match was bad. It doesn't mean that she's a bad personality. It doesn't even mean that um, the participants in the match with her did wrong. Uh, Penelope Pink or Tormenta. I dislike that Tormenta happens to be the fall guy all the time, apparently. But that's where they slide her at. This was okay. The, mat you know, the match in itself was fine, but you know, we, we have to take it for what it is. It's a little good at the top, a little bad in the middle, ends off good. So there we have it. That was uh, wow. Signed a dotted line. 
otherwise known as episode uh, 55. And of course, we got another one that's coming up next week, which apparently, according to the graphic that aired on this show, it's going to have the Tonka Twins taking on Miami's Sweet Heat again for the Tag Team Championships. Uh, I am not opposed. Like I said, I, I want them to move on for this, but I'm not opposed to the match provided that they, you know, deliver the goods. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that they deliver the goods. If you have not subscribed or liked this video or audio, wherever you happen to be checking it out, please do. Subscribe to the channel if you're on YouTube. Subscribe to the, the uh, platform if you're listening to this podcast out there. If you are so inclined to help support the show, you can go on to our YouTube channel. You can get some merchandise. Yes, I said some merchandise. You can get some t-shirts. And that helps support this thing. That helps get or keep everything on track. And, of course, at the end of that, you got the WPN.com website. You can go there and you can check out everything that we do. And, of course... On top of checking out everything that we do, there is a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week wrestling stream that is there for your convenience as you want to watch it. And there will be some updates to the site as uh, the, the coming weeks and days go forth. So, now having said that, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate your time listening to me. And in closing, as always... I will say that this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we'll see you next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.